Welcome to Talking Roadmaps, everyone, the podcast and YouTube channel where we talk about everything roadmaps from the good, the bad, the ugly, talking practitioners, thought leaders, and all the rest of it. Today, I'm joined by C. Todd Lombardo. C. Todd, I'm pretty sure people don't need you to be introduced, but go ahead and introduce yourself anyway. Oh, man. Uh, amazing. Uh, thank you, Phil, for being here. Um, so introducing myself. Let's see. I've been in the product world for, for kind of a while. Um, my first product management job, I think, was like... 2003, 2004. So I'm totally dating myself, but um, uh, the last decade has been spent much more on the software side. Uh, my first product management job, I had a uh, biotech instrument, which had hardware, software, firmware, chemistry, and biology to all mix together. So if you think you're getting your front end and back end to work together is hard, try getting all those things to work together. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of a pracademic. I teach at uh, a couple of schools, a business school in Spain called IE University. Um, and I've been sort of in a variety of products, um, roles, or um, product teams, or working as a consultant for product teams over the last decade or so. Um, you know, because of my academic nature, I like to share knowledge. So hence writing a couple of books. The Design Sprint was the first, first one many years ago, uh, followed by the, the book with Bruce, Product Roadmaps Relaunched. Um, and then the most recent one around product research rules. So currently I am uh, leading the product and design teams at a company called AppCues, which is a product-led growth company that helps other companies build good app and app experiences. Awesome. Funny enough, yeah. So, well, it wouldn't be right to be on the road mapping show and not have a copy of this in my hand. Um, but both of those other books are also about 50% of the way through them both because I have this habit of having 10 books on the go, dipping in, dipping out. And uh, I have the same problem. <laughs> here, are the two, here are the two on mine. And I'll give a plug to you know our friend Daniel. Uh, I got his right on my desk and I have another one called Creative uh, Captains of Leadership around facilitative uh, power and facilitative confidence. So I'm right there with you. Constant growth mindset and learning, I think, is a critical part of product management. Never stop learning. Just for everyone out there, the mandatory, got to ask you to like, subscribe, hit that bell icon, heck, share it. Or if you'd like to join us here on the channel, have a chat. You, know, you don't have to be as big a name as C. Todd. You can be someone who's just out there doing the job in a product organization. We'd love to talk to you. Hit us up on info at talkingroadmaps.com. We'd love to talk to you. Smash that bell, as they say, right? So, see, Todd, let's start with the fundamentals. Yeah. What is the purpose of a roadmap for you? Oh, the purpose of a roadmap. Why do they exist? I think a lot of people look at a roadmap and think it's going to predict the future of my product. And in some cases, it kind of does. Um, but it shouldn't be like, what's coming and when, like what feature am I going to get and when? And that's, I think, the misnomer about it. But a roadmap should describe that, if you think about the metaphor, right, it should be described that destination and mostly how you're going to get there. And I, 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 I'll use the metaphor continually to like dig into it even further. So um, I'm here in the Boston area. And if I'm going from Boston to where are you, Phil, in, in the UK somewhere? UK, yeah, near Sheffield. Near Sheffield, right? So if I'm going from Boston to Sheffield, how would I get there? Well, I'm probably gonna have to take either a ship or an airplane. So my roadmap has to tell me which mode of transportation I might go. Um, and there's probably some level of turn by turn directions I might need now to like get myself from here to the airport. And I would say those turn by turn directions are very specific and, and what's right in front of me because I don't need to know 
the le- like today, I don't need to know, like right now, I don't need to know the right and left turns I need to take to get to your place in Sheffield, but I do need to know the right and left turns to get out of the Boston area and into the airport, right? Um, that's what I would call your release plan or a project plan, right? Shorter term, very focused, has discrete steps you're going to do. That's not your roadmap, really, quite frankly. Those are your turn-by-turn directions, right? Your roadmap says, hey, going to Sheffield, we're going to take a plane. This is the rough, rough way we're going to go. It gives me a, a vision and a destination and a direction of where I'm going, right? So that's really what um, a roadmap does. It gives you that level of strategy and direction. And so who's looking at that strategy and direction then? <laughs> a lot of people, especially anyone who is interested in your product. Uh Oftentimes, it's your internal stakeholders. They, they could vary based on the kind of organization that you're in. It could be um, maybe you make an internal product that never gets exposed, but it could be you know all those internal stakeholders. Um, or if you do uh, run a software or a company that has external users, it could be them or it could be all the different executive stakeholders like your mark, um, you know, chief of marketing, um, chief product officer, sales, like oftentimes if you're B2B enterprise sales, you've got a salesperson saying, hey, uh, my customer wants these features. Can we build them? Are they on the roadmap? Right. That's a common thing you see happen. Um, depending on the size of your company, it might be your CEO. Um, and of course, your your engineering team, uh, whether it be directors, et cetera. So a lot of people. Right. I just named a ton of folks. And the point is, a lot of people look at it. But it classic case of it depends on who and how you tailor it for them. Um, there are some organizations that advocate for and do share an external version. They make it public. Um, of course, they edit them and don't share every little last detail. Um, but that's a, a common thing you'll see for some organizations that want to do that, want to engage their customer base with a publicly facing roadmap. Um, there are challenges to that, don't get me wrong, um, especially if like, what if you put something out there that you don't end up doing? Um, but at the same rate, like John Abasta was very much an advocate for this. And she's like, hey, you'll know where your customer, your customers will tell you where it's not going to add value for them. Cool, right? It's a way to get feedback on that product strategy. Oh, yeah. So you talked about those different audiences, but and I think just to unpack it, you talked about editing for the audience. So do they see the same version? Do they see something different? Yeah, and kind of like you want it all to come from the same place, right? You don't want to have like a thousand versions they don't, and they don't actually reflect each other. Um, so you want them to all come from the same place, but you might edit them based on who they are. If you're, if you're a large organization, you're presenting your CEO, you're probably going to get rid of all the details and give them the high level, like these are the areas you want to go. This is the reason for the strategy. These are the kind of KPI and metrics we expect to move along the way. Um, and that's that, right? Um, but maybe if you've got like, I'm presenting this to my engineering team, like I want to give them all the little details, like, hey, these are the features that we might expect to see. These are the kinds of things you want to go into. You might have a deeper level of detail depending on your audience. Um, so again, they, they should all come from the same place. Uh, and some teams have, uh, they use road mapping software, like Podpad, product board, you know, insert app name here. There's a lot of them out there. They're all quite good. Um, and they obviously allow you different ways to create and share the, those. Um, so those, those are very useful for that, but at the same rate, you could also do it with Excel and PowerPoint or sorry, uh, you know, Google docs and PowerPoint some way, uh, whatever, whatever way you want to do that. So it's totally possible to do a lot of those things, but yeah, sharpen it and shape it for the audience is really important. I think I, when my, when I, I was interviewed myself by my collaborator, I think I said I'm on four or five different views of that one sort of truth potentially these yeah. days. It's like, 
and starting to get a lot. And I, yeah, that's when I think the tool comes in maybe and helps you a little bit. Yes, that, that helps a lot when you, when you have a lot of different types of stakeholders you need to edit or not not show certain things or show other things uh, for sure. Um, I can imagine showing my engineering team that five-year projection that I might show to my execs and they're just going to lose their rag. Um, Maybe like, what, what do I build though? Like, uh, how, how do I do this? And it's like, yeah, okay, well, yes, we're going to get there, but you don't need to see, they don't need to think about all five years in, in fine-grained detail as an engineer probably should. <laughs> I often think about this, way, like the, the, the roadmap is that like, plan of intent, right? It's, it's your plan, but it's uncommitted. So it will probably change. Most roadmaps usually do. So be okay with that. Whereas your release plan is like, we've committed to doing this. We're going to do it. It's shorter term. Um, and it shouldn't change as much, right? Sort of, I sort of use the 80, 20 rule for either, right? Your roadmap might change up to 80%, but 20% is always going to be pretty steady and stable. Whereas the inverse of your release plan 80% should be pretty stable because it's what's you spec'd out for your engineering team. It's what they're they're planning to build in the next one, two, three, five months. But beyond that, they're probably not like uber detailed, depending on the kind of uh, of product you you have, right? Those are the two differentiated. I think that's probably the the big difference that I want to call out a lot um, in this. Is a lot of people think those two things are actually in the same document. That's probably the biggest mistake I see. It's the jobs to be done of a roadmap. We're trying to ask it to do too many jobs. Um, and so it ends up doing them all badly instead of a few really well. Yes. Yes. And that's kind of where I think maybe uh, you mentioned that, you know, Bruce and I are going to be rewriting an, a, another version of this, a second edition of this book coming up. And part of it is the overall thesis of the, the book is quite sound, but how we explain it and how we sharpen some of those conversation points around like, yeah, here's really, it's the job to be done, right? It's the, using some of that language, which will be really useful in clarifying um, the concepts in the book. That said, it's still, even in the current version, full of epiphany after epiphany, I've got to say. What were the things that struck out you? So, you know, a little customer discovery on mine, like what stuck out for you? What are the epiphanies that you walked away with after reading it? Breaking the timeline, moving from timelines to timeframes. I mean, I come from, you talked about that type of complex product in the biotech you did. Um, maybe I wasn't doing that, but I was typically doing what we call IoT type products these days. So complex connect connectivity, hardware, software, backend, embedded, and bringing all those things together. And, I'll be honest, I still haven't found a better way than a timeline for physical products, but I'm, but that kind of step away. And there was always that perspective from that as soon as I went to that, say the now, next and later, customers wouldn't accept it or management wouldn't accept it. But in my experience, it's actually, they usually do. They, they actually just realize it's more honest. <laughs> Yeah. And it's part of it is like, I think we had a quote from the book from, I think it was Dave Cancel. It was like, you know, I'm either going to disappoint you by telling you what I'm going to do and I'm not going to do it, or I'm going to lie to you, right? You're asking me to do one of those two things. It's a rock and a hard place. So why don't I just be honest with you and tell you, these are the things that are coming up next. I can't give you just explicit timeframes. Uh, maybe the shorter term thing, sure. And when you're thinking about hardware software, the thing that I, I always try to do is like, look for Look for the connection points, like your hardware needs to go off and obviously you can update firmware and update software to a certain point, um, but figure out where those those points or those sort of like 
connection points are where it's like, yeah, I, I can develop my hardware to a certain point or a version of this, and then I'll be able to update software to a certain point beyond that, right? And like, you just think about the oversimplex, simple ones of our phones and that at some point, Apple's like, yeah, I can't support this hardware anymore with firmware and software updates. So you need to upgrade or you're just, you're just gonna stay in that version, right? And that's, that's a hard truth of any hardware. So find where those points are and just kind of put them on the, stick a pin in them and say, okay, these are the things that are like knowns that we have to design and think around and plan around. But the stuff in between leading up to and after that can obviously change. When I think about that physical product on the portfolio level, you have that challenge. It's like, like Apple, is that TikTok once a year, new iPhone coming out? Well, that's the timeline at the end of the day. Um, I'm putting a date on it. And there's certain things like getting into catalogs and so on. But then I guess is that a, re a release plan? Um, yeah, it's a release plan. And then, then, but they don't tell you like, here's when the next iOS, like the specific iOS build is coming, right? They don't really get a specific timeline for that. They just kind of like when they're done, they ship them in your, your iOS updates, right? Um, they don't necessarily publish that, but they have those very specific, like those are those, those points that I mentioned, like those connectivity points between the hardware and software, like, yep, here, here's this. And they've, they've gotten to a point where they're big enough and can be predictable where I think that's actually speaks to some of this. Like there's an element of predictability that people want, which is why they're so attracted to seeing your roadmap, what's coming and when, right? Can you give me some predictability? Um, and that's part of where I think some of the, these this approach, whether it be now, next, later, or Q1, Q2, Q3, whatever, um, just not getting down to like month and week level, uh, that starts to give a little bit of predictability, like here's what's coming. And if you also frame it with, it might change, then okay, right? You've at least set the expectation of here's what we're planning, it might change. You wanna know what the short term is, check our release plan. Um, and you might may or may not wanna publish that. It's, it's up to you guys. There's probably still that portfolio level, which I know is part of the plan for the next edition of the book. That is, uh, it is. We don't talk about it. Right. So, because uh, I think at the individual product level, it's quite clear how you can manage that. It's that next level up that I sometimes find a little more challenging. Yeah, and one of the other things that we're kind of going to want to dig into is you think about like. We talk about like setting your vision and your goals, making sure goals and objectives are part of one of the five main components. But what we don't talk enough about, I think we mentioned it very lightly, is like, well, how do you structure your teams to match your goals, which matches your roadmap? Like the Conway's law is in effect here in some way. And so making sure that we're talking about how do you set up your teams for success too? Because sometimes you'll you'll we'll talk to companies and they'll be like, well, I have this, but then I've got a front end team and I got a back end team. I got this other team and everything's functionally aligned. It's like, okay, but do you deliver value just with front end only or just with back end? Like, well, no, actually, the does the customer only use the front end, only use the back end? No, they use both, right? So, how do you slice and dice your teams to match up your objectives, to match up to your roadmap? So, they're all intertwined. One affects the other in some degree. So, we don't talk enough about it. So, we need to dive into that more too. So I can anticipate we're going to be talking about platform and experience teams and this sort of thing coming forward. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. We need to add that layer in. I don't think we talk enough about it. So, Funny enough, then, who owns the roadmap? Um, any thoughts there? <laughs> I mean, I'm very biased, uh, but I think the PM should own the roadmap, right? The PM should own the roadmap and it should be driving outcomes. Uh, engineers and engineering teams own the release plan and that's defined the outputs. Now, granted, you get the outcomes from the output, so they obviously need to be 
very much joined at the hip. Um, but I am a firm believer that the PM is the one who owns the roadmap with a lot of influence from a lot of different folks. And that's, a, that's what makes PM hard, right? They've got to, they've got to align everyone's, everyone wants something on the roadmap and what they want needs should be at the top, right? Well, that can't happen. It's like saying everyone expects them expects to be above average, but that's not true either. Right. Um, so you can't have hundred percent, hundred percent of people above average, only 40, 49%, I guess are, uh, so similar kind of thing. And how do you align that? And how do you make sure that, um, everyone is okay with that and okay with those trade-offs. And that's a lot of why a PM job is so hard. So then would I be right in assuming that the product manager also maintains that roadmap at the same time? Of course. Mm -hmm. They own it, maintain it, they update it, they share it. Um, absolutely. And it should go out for, you know, some people ask me, well, how long should it go out? Should it go out like three years, five years, 10 years? I was like, it kind of depends. There's no one right answer. Like for one team, it may be like, you know what? A roadmap that goes out three to six months is perfect. Another team might be like a super mature product. Like, look, if you don't have something going out three to five years, you're slacking, right? It's, it's the, it's, it really varies. Um, and I think that's, you know, maybe we can put a little more context around that in the next edition too, is like, hey, here are the examples where like a short-term roadmap is a really good idea. And your release plan is probably like two weeks. <laughs> And then there's another example where like, you probably want a three to five, five-year roadmap at a minimum, and your release plan might go out six months, right, type of thing. It all depends. I mean, I, I could even imagine having a release plan that goes out that five years, we're just not seeing what's in it. But we're going to we're gonna release certain milestones because they hit market windows or you know, cadences in an industry. We've got to hit this for this hardware, you know, um, update uh, or in these areas that we've got to get our hardware ready for this point on in the future. So that means, you know, what is our software cycles need to be to get there, right? Finding the, again, finding those points in the future, which things need to converge and, and align uh, are, are critical. But once you've, once you've aligned those, then there'll be other points that are others, other streams that might be able to go at different, different cadences and velocities. You mentioned vision and objectives. I know they're two of the key parts of the roadmap in, in, the, in the book. What about strategy? What about, what about other artifacts? What else kind of links in or relates in? Yeah, for sure. Definitely a sort of mission or vision, um, especially if it's a team level, right? Like depending on the size of your company, you might have a large company mission or vision that does one thing, but your, your product that you're managing might be one part of that. Uh, I think we give the example in the book um, of Google, like if their mission and vision is to organize the world's information and make it accessible, great. But if you're a YouTube product manager, like YouTube itself is its own product. And well, that mission and vision is like, well, organize information, but it, in video content um, and make it accessible, right? So it's related to the the main companies, but it's different in terms of like maybe the, the type of, of organization, the type of, of content type of channel it is, right? But there's still some relationship there. Um, and you can even think about there's there's sub below that, like, okay, we've got creator level products, you've got viewer level products um, on YouTube and they may each have their own like, hey, allow creators to really easily create and, and deploy an audience management uh, on YouTube. And then a viewer to be like, how do I view, dis discover, find, there might be different kinds of mission and visions there that you could, could think about. Um, and so those all can be described um, on a roadmap. And of course, the things you also want to make sure you, it's a little bit about how, right? Strategy, like how are we getting there? So if this is, 
again, that, that end destination of Sheffield, UK, how am I getting there? Well, I'm going to take a plane and this is the kind of plane I'm going to take, the kind of airline, uh, the kind of class I'm going to go in, right? It starts to give some attributes and maybe problems to solve along the way, right? Right. I have to get to the airport. Then once I get to the airport, I have to get from the airport into, into Sheffield. Then when I go from Sheffield, I got to get to Phil's house, right? All those things of like, what are the maybe a little bit layer down without getting maybe to the turn by turn directions, at least gives me some indication of waypoints along the way to get there. So this is an area I've been thinking about a little bit, but then then we get to the innovation end of things where actually we don't really know the end destination. You know, kind of, I, I tend to think of that exploration. It's like if we were to draw a map for that, you've got the here be monsters part. And that's great. And that ends up being more of a probably a technology development. Like, oh, we're trying to develop a technology, but are you still solving a problem? And what's that problem you're trying to solve? Can you contextualize that a little bit? Like, and maybe that's where a difference between a product roadmap and a technology roadmap might come into play is like, look, I'm looking at developing and advancing this technology. I don't necessarily have a use for it. I just want to dive in and see, you know, is this even possible? Cool. And then you can start to think about what use cases you might have after that. So that might diverge a little bit, but I think a product roadmap is, is different in that it should have some kind of customer value and destination to it. So if it is an innovation perspective, maybe it's just a technology development roadmap. It's less of a product roadmap, I would, I would argue. So, I mean, I know in the book, there are five key elements that you talk about on the roadmap. Since you've thought about it a bit more, is there anything else you change, anything you'd add? Any, you know, what, what's the main content that we need to consider in there? Yeah, yeah, I think they're, they're mostly still pretty, pretty relevant. Like, and, and the way I also frame it is we talked about having a vision being part of it. It doesn't have to, like, once you've established it, like maybe you're talking about it to your internal stakeholders and they understand, like they know your vision, they're like, okay, then maybe you don't need to like repeat it ad nauseum to them. It's good to have, make sure it's, it's there. Um, so, you know, if the team is very familiar with it, do you have to have it on the roadmap you're presenting? Maybe not. Always good to tie it up like, hey, by the way, this is our vision, making sure that we're actually still tying things to that. It's still very useful to do. Um, but I still think having some kind of goals, objectives, very important. Now, some people... You know, OKRs, OGSMs, EOS, there's a lot of different goal-based frameworks and whatever they are, some kind of, some form of goals of what we want to achieve, right? And that's a, probably from a business perspective and even potentially a customer perspective. And that might flow out to be like, okay, well, we want to reduce our self-service costs, um, which means we want to reduce the number of support calls coming into our, our company. Um, we want to add more self-service tooling to our software so that Customers can figure things out for themselves much easier than having to pick up the phone or, or chat with us or whatever. Like one example. Um, cool. Then so under that, there may be other different thematic areas, um, hence the word themes. Um, I've also heard of like initiatives. The They could be even be objectives or sub-objectives themselves, ways you're going to hit those goals. Um, so that's sort of the third the third bucket item is like, what are the what are the initiatives or things you're going to do to reach those goals, which will help you reach those vision. Notice it kind of always cascades. Um, yeah, and then you wanna make sure you have some kind of disclaimer, uh, like, oh, hey, by the way, this is a draft you, you have as of July, 2022, so that you know that that's the timestamp and it's a draft and you're setting that expectation, right? And the last thing is um, on a date perspective, this is the time timeframes, right? We're not talking about a specific timeline. We're like, these are timeframes. Um, now, next later is a common one. That's the thanks to Jenna Bastow, um, Q1, Q2, Q3. Uh, there's a lot of different ways, like first half, second half, this year, that year, depending on the, the level 
you need to have uh, whatever interval you want to put there. Is it monthly? Is it quarterly? Is it semi-annually or annually, right? And think about that versus a, um, you know, here's a set of weeks <laughs> and this is when we're going to deliver these things. It's less about delivery, right? And more about strategy and where we're going versus we're going to deliver these things on this, uh, on this timeline. That's good for a release plan. So, okay, we've got the key content. What about visualizing? Any strong feelings on how we visualize? Yeah, I'm a fan of visual roadmaps. Andrew, not so much. I wonder where you fall on this one. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm a visual thinker. Um, I love to visualize things, so I think it's really important. Um, that said, I have seen great roadmaps that are literally like an Excel spreadsheet. Like they literally look like they were copy and pasted from a spreadsheet, and it's like, wow. But when you dig into it, you're like, oh, this is really done well. And here's why it has objectives, has themes, it has some, some status and, and, um, uh, some objective, like it's just, it's really well done. Whereas some of them are like, if they're just like overly visual with no structure, then that's a problem too. Right. Um, I want to be mindful, like to call out, like, yeah, be careful of the Gantt chart, you know, um, be careful of the Gantt chart, um, lure, cause it is very alluring to be like see these bars of like the stocks then stops then and not a bad thing and there's a lot of you know you just don't want it to have like concrete dates it might be like yeah here's our bars of when we expect to roughly be tackling these particular initiatives or themes or elements um so it's certainly not a bad thing and especially when you're thinking about portfolio like the one i did in my last company like we had to stack it and we had to have like it kind of looked like a big gantt chart in many ways but it wasn't like a typical Gantt chart where like everything was like, you know, this waterfall element of, of things underneath. It was like, no, this is the rough time. We're going to be tackling this initiative, rough time. We're going to be tackling this initiative, et cetera. And it was useful for us to see it in this big, long um, document that had all of the products across all the teams available. So we could start to think about, oh, we're trying to do a lot. Do we have the resources? Are these prioritized right? Um, should we think about, you know, dissolving one team and giving the other team resources or giving one team um, more priority than another because of business value, right? And that's really useful to see those in that way to say, oh, well, they're not tackling this till Q2 of next year. They're tackling this now. You can start to see those cross-team opportunities show up and it's really, really useful. Um, so I'm very much a, a fan of doing it visually. I think we use Product Board, uh, my last company. It worked really, really well. But I know that there's plenty of others that that have similar kinds of visualization. You mentioned a few tools as we've talked there. Do you have a favorite? I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, I just have a lot that I've liked that I've used over the years. Um, product board's pretty pretty good. Product prod pad's great. But I've also used like Aha and Roadbunk and a few others, and they're they're not bad either. Like there's there's a bunch of them out there, and there might even be one I'm missing. I think Airforce I tried a little bit. They all have uh, can't we use Canny at AppQs? They all have like pros and cons and, and a lot of the things, you know, I look at it as it needs to serve a couple of jobs. One, you need to pull all of your product feedback into one location and it's sort of a centralized database and you need to tag them with thematic areas um, and preferably if you can get the customer customer's name associated even better, right? Um, because it's better than having like a Slack thread with a whole bunch of stuff or somebody putting stuff in an email or like stuff gets put everywhere in a lot of different channels. So you need to figure, figure out a way to centralize all of your product feedback, whether it be internally and external or externally, right? Got to put it in one central location. Second thing you need is a way for it, for a team to 
map out what their plans are, what map out what their roadmap is over the next whatever timeframes are useful. Like if you expect your teams to be, you know, crafting one to two year roadmaps, then they, they should be able to, to do that, right? If they're six month roadmaps, they should be able to do that, right? Whatever time horizon that is useful, that's the, they need to be able to map that. And so when you start to connect those two together, and that's where some of the, some of the tools are really useful is like, oh, I can put the, the roadmap theme, theme areas over here or objectives, and then I can actually attach these five pieces of feedback to this one initiative the team's working on so that I know which customer was interested in it, when they were interested in it, what did they say about it, et cetera, so that the, the teams can, the product teams can look at that and say, oh, great, let me go talk to these five customers because they had requested it or they had asked about it at some point and it's been in our database. So I think you know, there's really two to three of the jobs to be done that I think about for product management tooling or for products roadmap tooling. And I think the first two are the most important. The third one is kind of a nice to have um, that you can you can do manually if you if you don't have that. But those are the those are the three key ones that I see. So okay, now let's dig into let's get specific. What's the best practice that for, you know if you had to say one thing on on a roadmap? Only one thing. That's really hard. <laughs> But it's the only thing I'd wrap it up into product strategy, right? That's kind of really what it is. It's an artifact that describes your product strategy. And there's a number of different art ways to do that. Like GitLab describes it in blog post form. Like they do a great job at describing it. It's very verbal, but they describe it in, in very verbal form. Um, whereas other teams might, might do it in a much more visual way. They did it in a very prose storytelling way. Um, and that's maybe the other, the secondary thing is like, you've just got to tell a story, right? You've got to, tell a cohesive story as to where your roadmap is going and why, right? You do have to get to the why. Um, so like if I said, why, why am I going to Phil's house? Well, it's because we're going to talk about roadmaps and we're going to do it in person. We're going to do it this way. And this is the reasons why, like I'm going to have to have a good, you know, good why behind the why, so to speak. Um, so maybe, maybe that's the, the higher, higher level question is less about the when and more about the why. So then let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Biggest mistake or biggest anti-pattern you see on a roadmap? Sure, the biggest one is, is the one I mentioned earlier. It's like people think the roadmap and the release plan are the same thing and they try to create one artifact to do both. See it all the time, all the time, even today, it seems I talk to you, they, they struggle with being able to do that. Um, you know, and then sort of the, the the dirty secret is that I'm okay if you put a feature or two in a roadmap, if it helps you with the conversation. It's like, everyone knows it's a problem to solve. Everyone knows it's validated. Everyone knows that that's the thing we're gonna go build. So throw that in the roadmap, it makes it easier for the rest of your company to understand it. Um, that's okay. Otherwise, if it's not unvalidated and you don't have the clarity, like then sure, put the theme or the problem to solve or the, the goal you're trying to achieve. But if all those boxes are ticked, there's nothing wrong with throwing a feature on there. Um, especially if it helps with the conversation. Because again, as a PM, it's less about, is my roadmap you know, technically and academically perfect? It's like, no, does it, do you get alignment, right? It's a tool to help get alignment for where you're going. Um, and you actually want to surface the differences in, in, in thoughts and conversations because that will actually help you get aligned. So how is my roadmap aligned with discovery then? Because that's kind of fundamental to like getting aligned and kind of finding the differences. If your roadmap is sort of a list of, of thematic elements or initiatives and problems you'd like to solve for your customer and or business, actually, ideally, it should be both, right? You should be solving for something that is user value and um, and company value, right? It should be a mix of the two things, not just one or the other. Um, and so 
especially for things that are beyond your release plan, you should have some element of like, yeah, we need to be doing discovery around these things so that we know what we're, we're tackling. Like, should, is the UX team aligned that, yeah, we're going to be tackling self-service items uh, in the next quarter. So let's make sure we, any interviews we have lined up with customers, they're around how they struggle to do things or when the last time they actually had to call customer support for. Um, and then, then getting data quantitatively around all the number of times. Like, so it's, you know, it, it can help identify the teams to prepare their discovery activities because they know where they should be focusing. Well, so maybe overlaps a little bit with the biggest mistake or anti-pattern. Do you have a pet hate? Something you just really don't like seeing on a roadmap? Probably, I think it's it's similar, but it's really like the, the detailed dates. Like, all right, here's, you know, January 28th. Like, why? <laughs> Like that's a project plan. Like we're going to, you know, this is going to release January 20th and, and it's like, you know, it's July, but you're talking about January 28th is going to be the day you're going to ship it. I'm like, uh-huh. So I guess so long as you're going to ship, but you can flex what's going into it, the good old uh, iron triangle, then I guess maybe you can commit to a date, but then who knows what the heck are you going to give them? Right. How many vacations happen during that time where the holidays get in the way? Does somebody get sick? Does anyone quit or does something you hire somebody new? Does that change any of that? Um, and the likelihood is all of those things will probably happen between now and January 28th. So don't say January 28th, unless it's like, oh, we have a, like a, a conference or something. We have an external event is causing us that we have to have this stuff ready by then. Then, okay, great. Then back plan, like, what is the minimum we need to have by then? And then what's the idea? Like, then you start to really prioritize, like, I have to have this. But a lot of those things are rare. Uh, many of them are self-imposed. And when you poke at them, you say, well, what's that date for? Well, we just like to say, or, you know, some CEO or some executive said it should be by this date. Like, well, okay, but why? And if they can't answer why, like, oh, there's a conference, there's other date, there's other things, like something related that's usually external to the company, probably those dates, as Andrea probably says, those deadlines are BS. We have a habit of making deadlines because we mean talks, that they help us hit them, whereas actually they probably do the opposite. So, I mean, obviously a lot of people listen to your advice on road mapping be, being in the book, but if you were, if you're on your listening to advice on road mapping, who do you listen to? Um, let's see. I would listen to Bruce. Um, I would listen to uh, Marty Kagan. I would listen to Andrea. I would listen to Daniel. Elizalde. I would listen to... Um, Gibbs Biddle, even though we have a slightly different take, he did an outcome-based roadmap with Bruce. I thought it was really clever. Um, who else would, uh, uh, Teresa Torres, uh, Hope Gurion, those are great voices, I think. And Melissa Perry, those are people who I would listen to. Many people I listen to, a few of them we've already got all lined up, but a few more that I'm looking forward to talking to, hopefully in the future. Then are there any particular resources that you uh, use that you could recommend for people? I think, you know, following Teresa Torres's product talk is always great. Very discovery focused, but super, super certainly useful. Marty Kagan's Silicon Valley product group blog is great. Hope Gurion's Fearless product has always has some good, good content. Um, you know, the Mind the Product team, whether it be their blog posts or their podcasts, et cetera, has, has a lot of great stuff. Um, who else? Melissa Perry's, obviously, she's got a great podcast with her um, products, um, product thinking podcast. So there's, there's a lot of stuff out there, but those are the ones that off the top of my head resonate really well. So now this is the hardball question to see, Todd. 
if you had to distill your philosophy on road mapping down to one or two sentences, how would you describe it? I'm going to puppet Janet Bastow a little bit. Um, a roadmap is, I think I said this earlier, a roadmap is an artifact that describes your strategic intent. It is your plan, but is not committed. So it will probably change, but at least as of the most recent version, it should be your plan for where you plan to go in the future, how you want to realize your vision and goals and mission. So that's how I would describe it in just a couple of sentences. Hopefully that's, that's good enough. Is there anything I should have asked you about road mapping that I haven't asked? I think the thing that I, and we struggled with this with writing the book is um, in terms of like thinking about how do we organize chapters? We're like, oh, step one, do this. Step two, this. Well, wait a minute. There are plenty of teams that like might be at step five, but actually are going to go back and do step one. And so I think part of the, a lot of people don't know where to start to like refine their product or board. They've, they've had this feature-based roadmap the whole time and how do they switch, right? Um, and so a lot of it is like, think about where your current state is right now, um, how well you are aligning to a more strategic level of roadmap. You know, have you decoupled your release plan and your roadmap? If not, maybe that's the first thing to do. Um, but don't try to do everything all at once. Think about doing just one small change and, and seeing what the impact is, right? So experiment with your internal roadmap processes, just like you experiment with your product. Um, so many times Bruce and I have done a bunch of workshops and we've seen people like super excited to go and like do implement everything we taught them, you know, in the workshop the next day. I'm like, like, no, 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 don't do that. You will like, you will either hate your job, quit or get fired. Like, that's not the point here. Pick one thing that you think can make a difference and do that. Right. So it's like, Hey, if you're, if you got a roadmap and there's, it's a whole bunch of features, start switching the features to like problems to solve or themes, right? Just do that. Then think about changing the timelines to dates uh, to time frames later, right? Think about like just one little thing to do. And then once that's done, you see an impact, do another one, right? And that's sort of, that's the advice I would give to somebody on where do you start and how. Almost feels like you need a roadmap for your roadmap. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. And I would say that last, my last two jobs as VP of product, absolutely were very critical for me to and I actually wish I had, I had clearly stated it at my last job saying, look, I need to give you the roadmap for us getting to a roadmap because I'm going to make some changes. And here's what I'm going to th think about doing first, second, third. I, I kind of wish I did that in hindsight. And with this, with my new, new company, I'm actually in the process of putting that together. So, yes. I mean, I always think about a roadmap for product management team and function and product teams, not just for the product itself. And so, yeah, we may as well use the tools and techniques we use and work on ourselves and our artifacts. Great. See, Todd, it's been wonderful having you here today. I've loved this conversation. Lots to unpack from it. And uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to lap it up and love it all. Um, as always, to everyone out there, please do like, follow, share, and subscribe. See, Todd, I just would like to give you an opportunity to pitch yourself, the business you work for. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love helping teams with roadmaps. I am not a consultant by trade. I am literally a practitioner. So I have a product team. My product is called AppQs uh, right now. It's a great little thing. If you make products, you might find that super cool. Um, but if I can help your team, let me know. Um, but there are a lot of other consultants out there who could probably help you. We'll have more bandwidth than I do. But um, 
you know, invite me to a guest speaker. Uh, that's probably one of the coolest things and funnest things for me to do. Uh, so thanks so much, Phil, for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. I love I love this topic, clearly. It's been great having you. Yeah, so we'll make sure there's links to some of those things down below so it's, uh, people can find you, find those resources, get in touch. So just a reminder for everyone, if you are interested in being where CTOD is and taking part in the conversation, do get in touch. Info at TalkingRoadmaps.com. Find us at TalkingRoadmaps.com, the website, or on YouTube where you're probably watching this right now. CTOD. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Phil. It's been a pleasure.